Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi everybody, I'm Seth Busby, editor of Flying Solo. Welcome to our weekly podcast where we step inside the minds and lives of soloists and small business owners. Today's guest is Dr. Ali Young. Ali is the author of Work Mama Life a new book that aims to unpack the chaos and the calm, the joys and frustrations of life as a working mum. For most women, motherhood involves a huge shift in their identity and work and life becomes a daily juggle. Ali reveals her recipe for having it all and delivers some fantastic tips on how we can avoid burnout, regain our passion and purpose and get back to doing what we love. If you're looking for a way to rediscover your joy as a working mum, Ali's book is your guide. Hi, Ali. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, I would like to have a little bit of a chat about your book, Work, Mama Life, which I think will be particularly relevant for our listeners because we have a lot of mums in business who listen into the show. So what inspired you to write the book? Was it your own journey? Yeah, it was my own journey. I um, have been in business myself for 19 years and um, within that have lived overseas and navigated um, trying to keep things happening back in Australia and small children and all those sorts of things. And I got to a point where I hit burnout and I didn't realise I'd got there and as a health professional I probably should have um, until it really hit me in the face. And it made me realise that I think if I can get to that point, there's a lot of other really high-level working mums that also can. And that's what started the book journey. So you're you're saying as a professional, you didn't really recognize till it was too late, but yep. how can our listeners um, who might be feeling like they're struggling a bit at the moment, would that be one of the early signs? Like what are some warning signs that that burnout is imminent. Imminent burnout, bomb, bomb, bomb. Um, so one of the key ones is the low threshold for change, for shift and for things altering in your world. So that point where the smallest change in your schedule for the day makes you get cranky or your kid's doing something which you might normally find pretty funny or joyful and you just can't deal with that going on in your world because your life is running on that very thin edge of normality. I um, created this concept called the resilience bucket and I'm sure I didn't create it but it's something I've adapted into the book and it talks about how we have our bucket where our stress load goes in and we need to find ways to unplug that bucket but when we're racing towards burnout the stress keeps going in but we're unable to figure out a way to unplug our bucket and it overflows and that lands in cranky mum guilt world, not performing in the office and it's a matter of being able to really figure out how you've got there and how to unplug it. <laughs> Drill a hole. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it open always. <laughs> so what are some strategies then if you're you're juggling a lot of things and and your bucket is getting full to the brim and about to overflow? What are some strategies that you can put in place to try and 
alleviate that pressure? There's so many different things that we can do, um, but I look at it in five key areas. In the short term, I think we need to give ourselves permission to look after ourselves first. So maybe you need to uh, get home and do a mummy timeout for yourself where you walk away and say, partner, hand off the children. I need 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour to myself. Maybe it's as simple as prioritizing movement for your body. Maybe it's more of a long-term venture. So we look at nourishing ourselves and how to do it simply, no fad diets. I've had every fad diet, disordered eating thing under my belt in my 42 years, I reckon. And uh, coming through that is really good and being able to recognize that. Um, moving well, sleeping well, practicing small parts of calm in your day and uh, connecting with your people, I think is the one that we get rid of first. The thing that we get rid of easiest when we're busy is to go, I'm not going to catch up for that wine or that coffee or that exercise class, all that kind of thing. Um, I'm just going to keep working and mumming and lifing and that's the downfall. Which is weird really, isn't it? Because you think if you're struggling that you would want to reach out and connect with people yeah but I think we have this innate sense within us that well if I keep ticking things off the to-do list it's going to relieve the pressure so it's going to make it better and then I'll be able to do that without worrying about all the things I haven't done whereas our human brain actually needs connection with other people to function at its best and so when we can recognise that, that's when it makes a massive difference um, and actually scheduling that time in is so key. What if it's got into the point where you're having a panic attack? <laughs> what would you mean? <laughs> well, I'm a chiropractor. I'm not a medical doctor. So definitely speak to your medical doctor about this. But if you are having a panic attack, it is really important to recognize the triggers for that and to speak to a health professional about why and recognize that, hey, I need some help here and it's not making me a weak person to ask for help. And I think that's our other working mum myth is that we need to do everything ourselves. So that's a really important element as well. Yeah, that pressure of I can do everything and I don't have to ask for help, the, that whole myth that you can have it all I think, yeah, you can have it all, just need to kind of allocate different time. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm a big believer that we can have it all, but what does all look like is the big one. Like what would your ideal all scenario be and how would that factor in for your world? And so trying to figure that out is really, really important. Now, in the book you talk about the mother brain. So for our listeners, can you kind of explain a bit that about the mother brain what is that and how can we understand the mother brain and how can we use that mother brain to our advantage yeah absolutely so our mother brain is uh our brain which is amazing as a woman that then actually changes itself neurologically when we're pregnant so the way that the neurons fire and the way that they're shaped I guess internally have altered when we're pregnant so we become more receptive to our children which is great when they're in their newborn years and we need to be able to hear them at night and it's a big survival instinct factor. The cool thing is is that we never lose that change. That change is always there and it helps us with our empathy and those elements that we can take into the workplace. But it also is that concept of us getting pregnancy brain and baby brain where the things that we 
do before we're pregnant and before we're a mother actually feel different to do them again. And it's often perceived as a bad thing. It's a bad thing that we uh, can't do things the way we used to do them before. But I like to acknowledge the fact that that's just your body doing adapting exactly how it's meant to in the big wide world of becoming a mum. And it happens with every pregnancy. You'll get a little subtle shift and change. And we need to acknowledge that that's okay. And we can go back into high level work environments, no problem at all, but we will still have that connection as well, which is really important. What about if you're an adoptive parent or, um, you know, foster parent or you're a co-parent because you're, you didn't have biologically have the baby if it's a same-sex um, relationship, for example. Do you reckon those, that still happens in your brain, that shift? Yeah, research actually shows us that it does, which is so cool. Um, slightly differently, so you don't get the grey matter pathways altering in the same extent that they do if you are the biological parent, but you still get a neurological shift in your brain function once you become a parent. And that is amazing, I think. And that gets down to, again, that element of human connection. And that's why human connection is so important because you think if you can bring a child into your world and it changes the way your body is working purely by being in their presence all of the time and that neurology and that talking of cell structure happens amazingly well. Imagine how if you bless yourself with that time to connect with your friends who also will have that impact on you slightly too. So for yourself, what were the main challenges you found after having a child and then getting back into work? I think the main one for me was that I felt like I had no time to do anything well. I wasn't able to look after my health well. I wasn't running my practice well. I wasn't, didn't feel like I was mothering or wifing well or any of those sorts of things. And it's because I was really spreading myself thin. And the way that it showed up in my burnout was a really significant health challenge where I thought I had cancer or multiple sclerosis, as did my doctors. We did a lot of testing and it turned out it was just that my um, brain was burnout. It was tired and I needed to learn how to nurture it a bit better. And it came down to prioritizing what mattered most to me and looking at my values and systems and procedures in place and calling in support and doing the things that were most important first. Hmm. That's probably something everyone should do regardless of if they're a mother or not. Yeah. Outlining what your values are and what's important and what you want to prioritise seems pretty sensible. (laughs) (laughs) It does, doesn't it? But don't you reckon we get like caught up in the busy and we just keep doing the things but we haven't actually looked at if those things are the things we want to do and and it's so easy to fall into that trap. I I find it really easy to fall into that trap. So, yeah, it was a really massive shake-up for me and the sort of work that I really love supporting other working mums to make as well. It sounds like it was a pretty hard time for you. Like, imagine you <laughs> cancer or, or multiple sclerosis. <laughs> I was freaking out. I was freaking out. I literally felt like I had a beard wrapping around my face and it wouldn't go away and it was there all the time. And I gained 10 kilos in three months. Like it was out of control and very unusual uh, for me, obviously. And then it slowly went away. So, yeah. What was the light coming out of that fog? Amazing. The clarity that I felt when I came out of it and the 
I think the shift in my own values, having lived it, was pretty huge. And um, yeah, my ability to be able to see what matters most and set boundaries differently was quite big too. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, boundaries I think is important. How can we all get better at setting boundaries? I think it's starting with the small things and learning that no is a really, really great word. I was a very big yes lady. I am a people pleaser of the level of people pleasers that you can find in any good CWA hall. And I um, really... I'll hit you up for some scones later. (laughs) (laughs) I know know the baker, but I'll go buy it. Um, (laughs) I, yeah, I just would say yes to everything. And so I think, again, focusing on what really mattered to me and then changing my answer and thinking before I answered was really, really important for my boundary setting. And also calling in help, even within my own family unit of saying, no, that's not okay. I'm working to come on kids, do your chores, come on partner, pull your socks up, that kind of thing as well. Mm. Why do you think we're so scared of saying no to people? Really good question. I think we're scared of saying no because we've been told for years, patriarchally, through society, that we are lucky to be able to go back to work. And if you can ever reclaim the great lights that you had before you had children, then you must have worked really, really hard for that. So make sure you say yes to every opportunity so you can keep achieving that. And it's a big shift into understanding that the patriarchy doesn't have to drive our responses and our work desires. We can choose our own work desires. But we say yes because we're still in that scarcity mode. Do you think COVID has made things more difficult or less difficult for women in terms of that, you know, the disparity between um, household chores, for example? Definitely worse. I think of all of the women that I've been speaking to in the last two years, how the expectation that the home learning lies on them, that the determining and the ferrying around of people from uh, kids from school to no school and the changing and the trying to figure out how everyone can do everything has been heavily thrust into the world of working women and the expectation that we will work as if we have no kids and parent as if we don't have a job has really come to the fore. And I'm seeing a lot more stressed out mums now than I have ever in my other 18 years in practice. They are really broken and trying to do the right thing, but they sort of have lost that ability to navigate what matters and what is right, I think. Like you mentioned, they're really broken. What are some little steps people can take if they are feeling like the stress of managing and juggling everything is too much? Yeah, I love to start with actually looking at your week. Look at your week and the time that you have and look at what you are doing and then bring a bit of a glass lens to it and say, okay, what would I love to be doing? And what matters to me of those five pillars I spoke about before, like is movement really important to me? Is eating well really important to me? And just choose one of those things that you can take back control of because our brain loves it when we say we're going to do something and we actually do it and reclaim a bit of control in one tiny area of your life. And that can just start that shift and change towards making small positive steps 
in your life and in your family's environment. I always tell my mums, like, if we look after ourselves, the ripple effect out to our family members and then from those family members, when you're showing up as your best 100% self, out to them is huge. Is there sort of a little bit about needing to embrace the chaos as well? Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> finding the joy because we, I think a lot of business mums are really able to, you know, plan their work life and probably schedules and run off great calendars and all that kind of stuff. But family life is very rarely like that. So being able to embrace that it's going to be a little bit messy sometimes. And that gets back to that resilience bucket again, because we've been able to go, oh, okay, so this something has changed. Here is some chaos, throw it in, but my bucket's not overflowing so much that it's going to make me lose my bananas about it. How easy or difficult or challenging, probably all of the above, is it to develop resilience? If you feel like you're not a very resilient person to begin with? Yeah, I think that the first step in that is acknowledging that you don't feel that resilient and nurturing yourself however you can to just slowly build up some resilience. So the first thing I love to look at is water. Like it sounds simple, but nourishing your body really well will actually help to improve your resilience and setting boundaries around that too. And I think it's been really hard for us to reach out and ask for support, which will often give us resilience because we feel like there's somebody around us that we can lean on. Because for the last two years, there's been a lot of time where we couldn't let anybody into our house or we couldn't um, reach out because they might be unwell or we might be unwell and all those sorts of elements. And so being able to ask for support and help again and be vulnerable in that moment will actually help build your resilience too. Although I do think with COVID, one thing that has come to the fore is that mental health piece. I think everyone has been impacted by the pandemic. So I think any kind of stigma towards mental health might have dissipated quite a bit now. I agree. I feel like the open conversations we can have about it now would, would not have been there if COVID hadn't happened. What are you looking forward to at the moment about um, your mum work life journey? I am looking forward to embracing that I have changed my hours up so I have more family time and I've increased my support. But I am loving that I can support mums in like an online space as well so that they can make changes and change that ripple effect within their communities and get their self back, find their heart again, find their health again and really make a shift and change that way because it's super liberating when that happens. Mm. That community element, of course, also plays a big part, I think. Mm, Massively so, yeah. Yeah, and making sure that now that we're through the other side, I'm going to say that, I'm declaring it, we're through the other side, that we can actually with um, set a schedule in a hangout time with your friends and make it happen and hope that it's not going to get rescheduled at the last second. And how can our partners and families help, do you think? I think if they begin with an understanding or a recognition that, we as working mums do do a lot. How can they take the load off? It could start with a simple conversation. How can I help you? Maybe it comes down to picking the kids up one day a week, doing dinner, taking over the sport 
organization or something like that, or even um, doing one of the nighttime feeds, if that's a possibility, something like that would be amazing. But it's about figuring out how you can get the teamwork happening to make everyone's lives function that bit better. Mm. And I know we've been talking a lot about the challenges, but there's a lot of rewards about being a woman in business, yeah? Oh, absolutely. I think one of the best things is, and what drew me into my profession, is that you can choose your own adventure. You can choose your own hours. You can make it look like what you have. We have so blessed to have many opportunities in the world in the way that business is run these days, that it's a beautiful space to be able to do. Thank you so much, Ali. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you today and good luck with the release of the book. It's a great read and I, I, I recommend that our listeners go out and grab a copy. Thank you so much. I'm excited to see it in real life when I travel this weekend because in my small regional area that I'm currently residing in, there's no shops that have books. And so I'm like, bring me to an airport because I know it's going to be in the airport bookshops. So I'm like going to be all over Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) I look forward to seeing the photos. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me. Thank you.